Look, if you drop your pens down a rabbit hole, that's your problem. Welcome to Midcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 394.5, recorded on Sunday the 21st of August, 2022. About to build a new arc, I'm Joe. Being an example of the Dunning-Kruger effect, I'm Norbert. Not quite fully woke, I'm Moss. Hey everyone, I'm Bill. Shouldn't that have been not quite fully awake? I said what I said. Yes, sir. In our entered section... Bill falls down a rabbit hole called pen testing. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. Bill, over to you. All right, folks, strap in. We got a humdinger for you today, by golly. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's, it, it is actually somewhat interesting. Um, this week we're going to be taking a look at penetration testing and some of the distributions that are relevant to that endeavor. Where's your black hoodie? Black hoodie. Oh, well, um, I have learned that I am indeed not a black hat, hat uh, hacker in all of this. When, when I first decided to, to uh, go down this route, uh, the first thing I thought I might want to do is a series where we talk about the pen testing distributions and then we spend some time deep diving on some of them and some of the things that you can do with it. And then I realized that it was just going to require far more time than I was able to put into the research. And um, also, I got a little a little sketchy about it because you can you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble with some of these tools, which I'll get to in a minute. And I didn't I didn't really want to try most of this stuff on my home network because I didn't want to cause problems for the rest of the family that I wouldn't have time to fix before going back on the road. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of this stuff and uh then dear listener, dear viewer, if you wanna go and try some of these things, uh all the power to you. But anyway, let's get to it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna answer exactly what is a penetration testing distribution. Uh, what does penetration testing even mean? What does ethical hacking mean? We're going to go over what are some of the uses for a penetration dis- uh, pen testing distro. We're gonna kind of go back and forth on whether or not somebody should use a pen testing distribution, and we're gonna give you some examples. Uh, the available pen testing distributions, and which ones are the best supported. Which one is the best supported, that is, because there is one clear winner, as I've, <laughs> as I've learned. So to begin with, according to Wikipedia, and there's, there's going to be a link to some of the pages that we're discussing in the uh, show notes, um, but uh, according to Wikipedia, a penetration test, colloquially known as a pen test or ethical hacking. And that's important to note that those two terms are supposed to mean the same thing, ethical hacking and penetration testing. I think um, penetration testing is more a professional term, while ethical hacking is more of a hobbyist term. 
because what you're doing is hacking. But when you're doing it for the purpose of serving a company, well, some of these people that do this for a living, they get hired by companies, they're contractors, or they work directly for the companies, and they're hired to test their networking and the uh, the continuity of their IT infrastructure to make sure that they're safe and secure. Bitwarden is a good example of a, a company that makes it known that they hire uh, outside contractors to make sure that their software is secure. I want to quickly, I just want to pitch in with uh, the broadest definition of hacking that I've recently heard that made, which is hacking is when you use something or do something in a way that were, that it was not intended to, that it wasn't, that it was not intended for. Well, and many of these tools that are in <clears throat> these distributions were intended. Yeah. No, I mean not even not even the in not even in the cyber not even in in the computer sense, in the just in any sense. For example, I know someone who would uh, when he would carry like a six pack of uh, mineral mineral water, those strands that you pick them up with would uh, cut his hand, so he would use his uh, wallet to. Put be- between his hand and the this this the stripe. So so basically, I mean, I maybe I I have a feeling I'm not saying anything new because hacking is a word in the English language, but it's not really used. No, no, no. Hacking is a misnomer. Yeah, it, is. it is actually the incorrect word. The correct word is cracking, but hacking has become synonymous with cracking as opposed to its actual definition, which means taking something and changing it to make it do something else. And cracking is the art of taking a system and finding vulnerabilities and using those vul- vulnerabilities to crack into and gain access to. You could argue that the vulnerability is using the system in a way that it wasn't intended for, so it kind of fits the definition does, of hacking. It but it gives it's a bad name uh, to, you know, hardware hacker. Yeah, but also the term hacking... I think it doesn't have, for example, the term life hacks is, is quite right, common. So hacking isn't ha- all bad. It rep- doesn't all have bad reputation. And, you know, making it better by doing something unexpected with it. Um, and cracking, it's much like safe cracking, in, but it's to servers, systems, businesses, whatever, in order a way to gain access to something that you are not supposed to have access like when someone says they're a locksmith, you don't think about bad things. You think about them uh, cracking locks that, for example, people uh, lost the keys for or something like that. So I, I guess if we're, we should think about computer hackers in the same way. It's not an inherently negative term. It shouldn't be an inherently negative term. Well, according to Wikipedia, a penetration test, colloquially known as a pen test or ethical hacking, is an authorized simulated cyber attack on a computer system performed to evaluate the security of the system. This is not to be confused with a vulnerability assessment. The test is performed to identify weaknesses, also referred to as vulnerabilities. If you want to know the difference between um, hacking and uh, penetration testing, hacking is the movie Hackers. Penetration testing is the movie Sneakers. I'm sorry about that, Bill. <laughs> You're fine. I was actually hoping that, because if, if all I do is read this, we're going to get through it real fast. Um, I don't have a problem with that. 
The test is performed to identify weaknesses, also referred to as vulnerabilities, including the potential for unauthorized parties to gain access to the system's features and data, as well as strengths, enabling a full risk assessment to be completed. Okay, now that was according to Wikipedia. As it turns out, penetration testing can be described as having five stages. Reconnaissance, the first stage, and that is collecting information without contacting the target. The second stage is scanning. Tools such as port scanners, network mappers, and vulnerability scanners and such to collect as much data as possibility on the target. The third stage is gaining access. A pen tester attempts to gain access to the target by utilizing vulnerabilities found in the previous stage. Maintaining access. Pen tester tries to create a backdoor to maintain access to the target system. And then clearing the tracks. The pen tester removes all logs and footprints which can be used to identify the presence of the hacker. Now, it should be noted that these are probably the exact same steps that a non-ethical hacker would take as well. The difference is what you're trying to establish. You're trying to close the holes, not find out. Uh, the intended outcome is where is where the definition changes. Many companies employ the services of penetration testers or ethical hackers uh, to perform tests to determine what, if any, security vulnerabilities exist within the infrastructure of their IT. Penetration distributions are Linux-based distributions that come pre-configured for the task of penetration testing and contain several hundred necessary tools to aid in that purpose. Some examples, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, so uh, some examples of pen testing distributions include but are not limited to the following. Kali Linux, a Debian-based distribution that replaced Backtrack Linux back in December of 2012, which is funded and maintained by Offensive Security, uh, which is a company that does penetration testing, and they they are the uh, the people that maintain this distribution. This is Kali, as far as I can tell, is the most well maintained, best backed penetration testing distribution out there. It is probably the de facto in in that line of work. According to Wikipedia, Kali Linux has around 600 penetration testing programs or tools, including Armitage, a graphical cyber attack management tool, Nmap, a port scanner, Wireshark, a packet analyzer, Metasploit, which is a penetration testing framework. Uh, that's a pretty impressive tool, by the way. John the Ripper, which is a password hacker, SQL Map which is an automatic SQL injection and database takeover tools. Aircrack NG, which is a software suite for penetration testing. Wireless LANs. Burp Suite and OWASP ZAP, or OWASP ZAP, Web Application Security Scanners. It was developed, Kali Linux that is, developed by, and I apologize ahead of time, because I'm going to screw both of these up, Maddie Aharoni and Devon Kearns of Offensive Security through the rewrite of Backtrack, their previous information security testing Linux distribution based on Nopix. So it does it goes back even further with uh, in terms of the roots of the distribution. This name was inspired by the Hindu goddess Kali. Uh, Kali Linux is based on the Debian testing branch. Most 
packages Kali uses are imported from the Debian repositories. Kali Linux's popularity grew when it was featured in multiple episodes of the TV series Mr. Robot. Tools highlighted in the show and provided by Kali Linux include BlueSniff, Bluetooth Scanner, BT Scanner, John the Ripper, Metasploit Framework, NCAP, as I, I said all that already. The tagline of Kali Linux and Backtrack is, the quieter you become, the more you are able to hear. Can I add something to the Mr. Robot part? <clears throat> In one episode, the uh, characters were, were running a command on their phone, SSH into their laptop, which I think was a, a nice touch because they had to be physically close to the target. Or maybe they were running something on the phone itself. I'm not sure. But uh, Kali itself... But I just I just wanted to add to the Mr. Robot. I wanted, but I just wanted to add that in Mr. Robot uh, they featured quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of quite a lot other Linux and open source related programs. For example, uh, Oracity and uh, and even Linux Mint was in one of the episodes and Signal and IRC. So clearly, so the, the people that make yeah, that show are Linux fans. Yeah, they created the new their stuff. Yeah, that as I said, the tagline of Kali Linux is and Backtrack is the quieter you become, the more you are able to hear, which is displayed on some of the backgrounds that come with Kali. Two other, and as I said, this is not a, an exhaustive list, but the two other that I listed here are Black Arch, an Arch-based distro made especially for pen testers and ethical hackers, which for the most part, has many of the same tools, and in fact, you might even get more up-to-date versions on Black Arch because it's got an Arch Linux background. But Black Arch is by no means as easy to use as Kali is. Um, you have to be, I would imagine, you've got to, well, first off, you've got to be well used to using things like Fluxbox and... Uh, you mentioned a couple of other tools that um, I want to ask before we get too far away from them. Are Metasploit and like Armitage still being worked on, updated? Metasploit, I don't know about Armitage, but from what I could tell with Metasploit, that is, Metasploit is just the... So you got that with Metasploit, you've got this concept of, as I said in the beginning, you, you uh, do a... You scan, you gain access, and then you you sort of you can see what services are running on the on the target system, and then Metasploit is so slick it will literally look at the services that are running and then offer you a repository of vulnerabilities. I can answer your question, Joe. Armitage is actually a Java-based GUI front end for Metasploit, and yes, it is still. Uh, in development. With all of that being mentioned, I, I want to mention um, a couple of years ago that Hack5 had an entire series on um, Metasploit and Armitage. Some of it is probably still valid and some of it probably isn't, but it is something to check out from Hack5. Um, they even had a set, set, set of shorts more recently called the Metasploit Minute which hasn't happened in a while because they haven't had a studio in a while, but um, also really good information on Metasploit there. Yeah, this, I, I was really, I guess I'm not surprised something like this exists, but it you are almost, it's a repository of uh, malware, basically, uh, that you can use to install on the target system, and it does all the searching for the appropriate 
vulnerability for you and then offers you some choices and then it's a matter of downloading uploading and uh installing on the target system it it is what it is you know these these things are are made for a reason i suppose but back to black arch black uh, i'm going to show you here in in a couple minutes a couple of uh examples i've got uh kali and black arch installed on virtual machines and i'm gonna uh for anybody that's uh listening to the audio only version of the podcast it's a it might be a good idea to take a look at the youtube feed because i'm going to be showing a couple examples here uh black arch comes by default with fluxbox which is fine if you're used to uh window managers but it's got its own way of working but it also comes with i3 and the awesome window manager when you when you install the uh everything version uh there's also pen2 and parrot security os are other options among many distributions maintained for the purpose of penetration testing okay so that's all cool and all but uh let's let's briefly discuss whether a person should use a penetration testing distro and what may be the pitfalls users may potentially encounter short version do you need any of the tools it provides then yes if no then probably not no and there's some reasons for that um the most important reason a beginner let's talk about beginners at first a beginner to linux is not going to do really well on one of these distributions because they well for one thing they're configured to work well with penetration testing so if you run into problems you it might not be immediately apparent how to fix those problems and then to add on top of that you are not going to get the type of support that you might need that you could get running something like mint or ubuntu proper or even debian for that matter because those distributions are set up with support channels and things for people that have general linux problems distributions like kali and black arch are not set up that way and so if you go to the support forums for either of these distributions you might not be able to find the help you need to get problems fixed now i think i know what you was getting ready to say it's based on debian so can you just use support from debian to fix problems well maybe not because as i said these distributions change configurations and use different tool chains that take them take these distributions outside of the realm of the way things work on debian proper or even ubuntu so you just it's just not a good idea to use these at all if you're not proficient with linux in general because you're not going to be able to get user level base user level support for problems that you might have if someone's first experience with linux is kali linux it's probably because they've seen some hacker in a movie use it and they and they know what well I think they sort of know what they're getting into. They're expecting it to be a hacking distro. So even if they have a bad experience with a, uh, due to not being experienced with Linux, I hope they wouldn't take away any con- anything that uh, I hope they wouldn't think uh, bad of Linux in general because they know that this is a piece of software that is created for hacking. Yeah, I I feel like your your average new user though is sort of uh steered towards Linux by somebody like us 
You know, we've all had, I've had several friends, they get, the most likely scenario is they've got an older computer and they want to get more use out of it. And, and I kind of steer them towards Linux because it makes a little bit better use of, I know, I know a lot of Linux people are not crazy about that, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's still the, the best option for older equipment and that, and I can, I'm able to fix problems that they've got. Um, I think for people who see a pen testing distribution, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose those kind of people people might say, "Oh, that's cool. I'm going to install that." So maybe some uh, maybe some sorry finish that sentence because I feel like it I should say it after you finish it. Well, uh, uh, the last thing I've got written here is many of the pre-installed tools on pen testing distributions are capable of performing tasks that are, that are illegal to uh in many places most places meaning curious inexperienced users may get themselves into some real trouble if they try these tools outside of their home network again making one of these distros a poor choice for new users and it and it's important to point out too that you might it's illegal to do it outside your home network and if you do it inside your home network you might you might create a uh problem that might not be immediately obvious how to fix You might fix something in your home network, like your browser. Yeah. So, okay, uh, as I said, I've got a couple of pen testing distributions installed. I'm going to go ahead and show you a couple examples here. Keep in mind, most people just listen to the audio-only version. Yeah. As I said, you might want to go and check out the YouTube feed on this one, folks, because I'm going to do the best I can to describe some of this, but it's... It's probably going to be the best experience to go watch the video. So, okay. The thing about Kali, when you're installing it, this is this distribution is a little unique because it disables all of the networking by default during the installation. You don't actually do any networking. You you don't enter any Wi-Fi passwords or anything like that and it doesn't turn on your uh ethernet connection either until after the installation process is done and this is to ensure that there there can be no sort of man in the middle attacks to put something on the distribution that might get you in trouble later on so it's it's like uh it's like setting up it's like hacking without being hacked or something like that and this is running light dm as the display manager so as you can see There is your I have done, I have done nothing to this desktop. It is running uh an XFCE desktop and what it's done here is it's lined up as I said before your uh your different stages of penetration testing. It's lined them up in a numbered order where you've got the tooling necessary to do the information gathering, all of these scanners, vulnerability analysis, web application analysis. I mean, there, this just got a huge amount of software on it. I think the download ISO was over 12 gigabytes. Password attacks, that's where this uh, John the Ripper software comes in pretty handy. John the Ripper is able to hack any dictionary password. So if you gain access to a uh, Wi-Fi router... Or well, if you if you scan for a Wi-Fi router and you've got the SSID, John the Ripper can hack the password to that wireless network if it's a library word. Meaning, if you're actually using, 
human readable words, this uh, this piece of software can hack the password. That's why it's always important to use unintelligible hashes as passwords. You can probably get multiple dictionaries for this. For example, uh, like Leadspeak, where you uh, switch up vowels with numbers. That's absolutely how it works. You you actually within the the command there's a switch where you uh, identify the library that you want to use, and Kali comes with several dictionaries that you can use to, and they they've all got millions of entries in them. Bill, I've been told that if you use multiple words together, that it can't figure that. Is that true? No, because it's still multiple dictionary words. Okay. There was a scene in Mr. Robot where the protagonist called someone pretending to be uh, tech support and asked some common uh, questions uh, to someone, pretending them to be like security questions, like the name of their pet and uh, the name of their school and where they were born. And I assume there is some, there is also some sort of input when you can have some custom input like this. Yeah, I've got a friend that got hacked that way by an ex-girlfriend that called him up, started asking a bunch of strange questions about the name of the family dog when he was growing up and what's your what's your son's if name you again read you know kevin mitnick you'll you'll know that most successful hacking isn't you know doing all the computer stuff to penetrate a system it is usually social engineering that will get you in a whole lot quicker because the most vulnerable part of any system is the people yeah it isn't uh brute forcing a password yeah it's you know the people are always the weakest link insecurity that's why i've i've always said there's no substitution for learning proper best practices for handling passwords and information to give and not to give when you're online you can see here this actually right here in the menu you've got a couple of cool things you've got an exploit database a link right here to take you to an actual offensive security because this is this is the company offensive security that that operates uh Kali Linux or, or maintains Kali Linux and they've actually got classes you can sign up for and everything like that. I think this is the same GTK thing that I use. It's a bit hard to tell because of the resolution, but it's KeyOS. It's the same GTK team I'm using on my desktop on XSC. It's they call it Kali Dark. It looks exactly like SkiOS, so maybe it's a fork of SkiOS. Or maybe it's the other way around. I think it's pretty sharp. I mean, I, I think I could probably get along just fine with this, but I just I would never have any use for any of the tools that come with this. So that was a quick look at Kali. Let me let me bring up uh... another thing to mention about Kali is it was just a couple of years ago that they uh, made it so that you could have anything other than root user there because people requested to be able to use it as a daily driver. Originally, you could only set it up with well the initial setup only had a root user because basically all the tools required root so they didn't did not want you to run it as a daily driver they only wanted you to use it as a penetration test but people wanted more out of it so they made that change i can't really think of a reason why someone would use kali as a daily driver well, maybe if they have to use these tools every day because of their job or something, like maybe they w- would find it easier to just run it on metal and, and not have to run it on a live USB or a virtual machine. So in that case, it would make sense. Wanted to for whatever reason. So I actually just contradicted myself. This kid's is Black Arch. This is a uh, this has got many of the same tools, but this is 
this is the hacker's distro right here, kids. Because uh, once again, you're going to want to go to YouTube and look at this. Yeah. Well, let, let that stand as as true for this whole thing. Fluxbox is one of those window managers that you either like it or you don't. It's been around a long time. And all of this that I'm accessing right here is through right clicks. You right click on the desktop and you get, and it looks pretty sharp. It looks like a hacker's distro. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if uh, the pen testing community has their own version of I I use Black Arch, by the way. <laughs> I thought at first that maybe I might put this on uh, on my take on the road computer because then I'd have access to Arch. But after looking at this, I don't think so. Um, because I can't even figure out how to change the resolution on this. Anyway. Probably using ARNR or XR. I can just see Bill hacking people's, uh, you know, Wi-Fi in their cars going down the road. <laughs> I did it one time at a restaurant. In fact, I did it last night because we went to this Italian restaurant. I'm not going to name any names. We went to this Italian restaurant and I asked the waitress, do you guys have Wi-Fi? And she said, yeah. And then she pointed at a sign and their SSID was something other than the name of the restaurant. It was it was some town in Italy or something like that. And I said, well, I understand why you did that. But what you got to keep in mind is if somebody wanted to come in here and perform a man in the middle kind of attack, they could set up a Wi-Fi access point, give it a name like. Uh, the name of the restaurant, and then underscore wi- you know, guest Wi-Fi or something like that. And people would think that is the appropriate Wi-Fi. They would think that is the Wi-Fi at the restaurant. They would connect to that, and now I own them because they are sending all of their traffic through my device that's sitting in between them and the uh, Internet. And if I wanted to put key loggers and things like that in place, I would. But back to this black arch, as you can see, it's got... Presumably all of the same tools, it's just not laid out in a way that is, you know, immediately apparent what these things are. So did you tell them that they should probably change the Wi-Fi name? I think you guys know as well as I do that when you start talking tech stuff to normal people, they just kind of glaze over. Especially waitresses. Yeah, because I told them, I said, you, you guys, I understand why you're using a word like that, but you have to keep in mind that these are... You you could be putting your customers at risk. I did mention that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then they just go on about their business. So, yeah, it's... We were at a restaurant last night, and uh, we asked for their Wi-Fi password, and they didn't give us the Wi-Fi password. They came and took our phone and entered it themselves, as if that's more secure. Yeah, because, you know, three buttons later, and I can see exactly what the password is. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's like I said, there's never going to be a substitution for educating yourself properly on these things and following best practices. It's like when people say common sense is the best antivirus. It turns out there is no such thing as common sense, and that becomes more well, and more there apparent is. all the it's time. It's just that the problem is, is that common sense isn't all that common. The commonality of sense is a myth. Yeah, if I could figure out how to get out of this now. Okay, there it is. Exit. And you got to go back to the window manager and then... And then shut it down. As I said, it comes with like i3 and uh, I think it comes with BSP, WM. Oh, and it comes with Awesome. Awesome is kind of cool, but it's as a window manager, it's it's almost as much of a heavyweight as as uh, 
XFCE is. So it's like, what's the point in punishing yourself like that if you're not going to, if you don't get the benefit of a lighter weight system? So there's a lot more to be said. Um, but to wrap this up, penetration di- testing distributions are a great tool for the aspiring ethical hacker, including all of the tools one needs to fulfill the task of testing for the purpose of improving cybersecurity. But for those of us who do not fall into that category of hacker of any kind, we should all stick with the distributions we know and love, such as Mint. Penetration testing is a very interesting career path for those interested in cybersecurity. If you do find yourself interested in trying one of those these distributions and seeing if pen testing may be a good choice for you, you should start by installing on a virtual machine, as I did, as I showed you there, and performing tasks on other virtual machines. So if you've got a machine that's powerful enough to run maybe that VM and then something else, that's a good way to learn because it's you could cause problems on your home network that you might not know how to fix. Uh, I provided a link here to a tutorial on a website called tutorialspoint.com, which I found to be kind of cool because there's a link on there to a pre-built, pre-configured uh, machine that is set up in a way to go and practice looking for uh, vulnerabilities and exploits for it. And there's really good, really good instructional information on there. So basically, set multiple virtual machines up so that they see each other on the same virtual network. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm not, I'm not sure if VirtualBox, for example, does that by default. It may it may create two different virtual networks for each virtual machine. I don't know. I, I haven't used VirtualBox in a long time just because KVMs and and uh, Libvirt is just so much better in yeah. terms I of performance. I tried to switch to it multiple times, but I always had some sort of issue. Right. Uh, do a little bit of research on how to set up virtual networks, too, and then make sure all of those virtual machines are on that network. Or set up something in the cloud. Set up something on uh, Linode or that, and then just practice... Make you a $5 Linode and put that uh, Metasploit thing on there. I've linked here in the show notes under the word tutorial for that website. I'm sure that wouldn't raise any red flags with the Linode uh, uh, maintainers that, 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 you're doing, that you're doing pen testing on their uh, service. Well, you're not doing it on, your, on their service. You're doing it directly to the IP address for the machine that you set up. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's you're you're not screwing with anybody else's machine. You're just screwing up, screwing with what. Uh, and in fact, I think the tutorial gives instruction on how to do that, and as well as there's instruction on there on how to set up the virtual machines to uh, play around with this. I got to tell you, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. I wanted to do a little bit more demonstration. I wanted to do a demonstration on how to. Uh, crack a Wi-Fi password, but it turns out you need a Wi-Fi card that's got monitoring uh, capabilities, and so I, I none, of, none of my Wi-Fi cards do, but if you have one, it, it's, it would be interesting to see how easily the software can crack your password, but it is a, it is a, uh, a lesson to be learned, really, folks, because for most people, your Wi-Fi is the one way they're going to get into your home network. If you've got anything on here that is exploitable at all, uh, it's your Wi-Fi password that's going to be the first thing that they go after. 
don't use names, don't use dictionary words, use use something that's uh, generated by Bitwarden or something like that. Don't use birth dates, don't use dates of uh, significant events. Nothing like that. So anyway, I've enjoyed this short discussion on penetration testing and wish anyone interested much luck in the learning process. Uh, but this includes our lesson for the day. Uh, are we going to continue on with this or are we switching to something else? Yeah, let's let's do something else that requires less work on my point. Unless you've got more to add. Nothing specific. I was saying for like next show. I mean, we can do some other topic for next show. Or maybe maybe we could have a a broader security team series every other show. Maybe we could cover other distros that are not uh, pen testing, but more security related, like cubes or tears or something like that. Different types of security. Sounds good. You'll definitely want to catch the YouTube video for this because Bill has his adorable little daughter hanging on around his neck. We'll, we'll drag <laughs> Leo back onto the show for one and make him, you know, talk about his favorite subject, which is security. He would have been a good one to have on for today's show. Let's move on to vibrations from the ether. And we do have, okay, this is for you, Moss. Brad Alexander writes, I have to agree with Moss. Lenovo is the way to go. I'm actually typing this to you from my ThinkPad W520 from 2011. It has an i7, 16 gigs of RAM, and a 15-inch display, and it runs FreeBSD perfectly. And Lenovo and previously IBM ThinkPads have always run Linux very well. Best guys, B. Yeah, I had replied. Um, I do agree. Lenovo is very good, but um, I, I just also think that Dell has never steered me wrong. And I say Lenovo has the best keyboards. Even a poor Lenovo keyboard is better than the best Dell I've used. Otherwise, Dell innards are as good as Lenovo, although many ThinkPads can be easier to access for RAM drive and other upgrades. You know, I'm going to have to agree with you on the keyboards there, but... Um, I. I, I like, you know, working with tablets. And while there is a ThinkPad tablet, um, I just think that the like the the Dell Venue 11 Pro and the Dell Latitudes are just plain better, especially in regards to like Linux. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people are really picky about keyboards, and all of the keyboards on all the machines I've got are so wildly different, and it I don't seem none of them seem to bother me, which I don't know is strange. Probably because I learned how to type on a typewriter, where you had to actually push the buttons down a half an inch. Well, that's exactly the problem with Dells. When you hit the keyboard hard on a Dell, you usually get bounce. And I will say that you know a lot of it is also that. Um I use mechanical keyboards. I'll, I'll use an external keyboard. And I will say that it. I did use like chiclet keyboards for a lot of years. And the keyboards that are on most laptops are very similar to keyboards. And then after a long time of using, you know, mechanical keyboards and then switching back to the chiclet style keyboards. Yeah, that kind of sucks. But um yeah, I will say that built-in, you, you can't really argue that ThinkPads have the best built-in keyboard. Cannot argue. All right. Well, my laptop is a non-ThinkPad Lenovo. I think it has the same keyboard as the IdeaPads. I mean, it it's not uh, it doesn't 
feel as great to type on as a full mechanical keyboard, but it's pretty nice. Yeah, I have had an idea pad in the past. It was very inferior to my ThinkPad on the keyboard. Okay, moving on. Check this out. And we have two links for check this out. The first one is a YouTube clip. I do believe I put both of the, both of the check this outs. And this is explaining computers. And he does a whole explanation on why Linux Mint 21 is the best distro ever. And I do like watching his. He is so much fun I to watch. I love watching yeah. his videos. He's very, he does have a, a somewhat dry sense of humor. He, he's very deadpan with the stuff that he has, but he's still... I love the man is almost skeletal and does not know how to smile. And it's so funny watching him get excited about things without being able to smile. And then um, I included the link for the instructions that I use to install the uh, virtual display and how to use that in conjunction with desk screen. So that is also included. Check this out. So... Unless there's anything else, we will move on to housekeeping and announcements. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mintcast. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube, post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. Our next episode will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on September 4th, 2022, and we have links to convert that to your time zone in the show notes. Next live stream, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on September 10th, 2022. Live stream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream or follow the link in the show notes. Okay, on to our wrap-up. And if you like the sound of my voice, you can catch me on a couple of my other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show. You can find that at tllts.org. And um, I'm also on the Linux Lugcast, which is linuxlugcast.com. You can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, or buy me a coffee on Kofi. Moss, how about you? Well, you can hear me every week on Pulse Circle Weekly News. Uh, every month on Distro Hoppers Digest, you can email me at bardmoss at pm.me, and my other information can be found at itsmoss.com. Bill? Well, if for some reason you like the sound of my voice, you can uh, check me out on my other podcast. 3ftpodcast.org is the website. The name of the show is Three Fat Truckers. It's not just about trucking. You can email me at bill at mintcast.org, bill underscore h on Discord. I'm at WCHauser3 on Twitter and WCHauser3 on Facebook. Norbert? You can send me an email at norbert at mintcast.org. And you can find me hanging around in the Mintcast Telegram group. And before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Norbert, Londoner, Tony H., and all the others for our audio editing. Josh Lowe and Bill Hauser for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo, and at RD for the animated Discord logo. Londoner for our time sync. Bill for hosting the Linode, which runs our website. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. And the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Thanks Clem. Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem.
This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of the